Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Akosia Ofewa Upuku. And coming up, over the next 90 minutes, Senior Staff Association of Universities of Ghana embark on a strike over conditions of service. will tell you what the consequences are. Also coming up, Minority in Parliament wants government to restore public confidence in COVID-19 testing regime at the airport following complaints of fake results being issued to travellers. And later on Eyewitness News, 24 hours after Finance Minister Ken Oforiata begged Ghanaians for 100 CD contributions towards the building of the National Cathedral, Lands and Natural Resources Minister Samuel Abdullah Jinapo is saying that the seized rosewood from the northern part of the country would also be used for the same project. With 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, Minister of State at the Ministry of Finance attributes government's inability to meet revenue targets for first half of 2021 to late commencement of new revenue collection measures. That's in some 50 minutes with Mina W. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations. Across the globe, we are on citynewsroom.com. It's an interactive show, so you can send us your WhatsApp message. 0549-986-996-0549-986-996. Send us tweets, hashtag City Newsroom, tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. And the world gets to hear. What do you think? This is Eyewitness News broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let's settle for details of our stories. And the first one has to do with a labor strife. The Senior Staff Association of Universities of Ghana has issued a statement it's signed by Zakaria Mohammed, the national chairman, and it reads in part uh, that the national executive councils of the senior staff of uh, senior staff association of universities of Ghana and the Federation of Universities Senior Staff Association of Ghana FUSAG hereby direct all members across the 16 public universities in Ghana to resume an indefinite industrial strike on Monday, August 2, 2021. This follows government's failure to respect and fulfill the agreements between both parties and at different intervals. Let's speak to the man who signed this statement, Zakaria Mohammed, National Chairman, Senior Staff Association, Universities of Ghana. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Before we proceed with the interview, let's just have an understanding. Uh, this seems to be two groups, not one. Uh, I see you have Senior Staff Association. You also have um, FUSAC. Um, explain the difference and we can proceed or the convergence. Hello, sir. Mr. Mohamed, can you hear me? Apologies, I do not have the national chairman of um, the Senior Staff Association of Universities of Ghana. We'll try to re-establish contacts with him and then have a better clarification of the issue, the challenges, why they are returning to a strike. Uh, let me continue to read a few, um, some other parts of the statement. And it says, the 19th May, 2021, 
60 days ultimatum to resolve all concerns in relation to computation of tier 2 pension interest on the accumulated 2020 to 20, 2010 to 2016 principal amount paid on May 17, 2021, and its refusal to establish a payment plan as well as the finalization of conditions of service, which has not been reviewed since 28, that's 2000. And eight. Let me go back to the phone lines, hopefully on a better line now, to speak to Mr. Zakaria uh, Mohammed. Mr. Mohammed, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. I was asking before we proceed further uh, to help us understand, it seems you are representing two groups, or it's rather two in associations that is embarking on this strike. What's the difference or the, or the convergence between these two? I, I just wanted to be sure. We are both senior staff of public universities in Ghana, and we have uh, equally... Uh, Interest. We have equal interest in all the matters that we are fighting for. That the tier two is something that uh, affects both unions and the conditions of service that have not been reviewed since 2008 equally affect both unions. Okay, so, so this this will be press conference together. This will be what teachers or um, what you have this, as other educational workers on campuses. What exactly? Who are the members of this association? The members of uh, senior staff. Uh, are actually what you can call the middle manpower level of various public universities. I do not, I do not, under, I do not understand that. Chief, chief, chief administrative assistants, principal administrative assistants, principal accountants, or the principal from chief to the assistant category are members of the senior staff of public universities in Ghana. And what it means, therefore, is that between the top and the bottom, we are at the middle. Okay, so there is junior staff. There is, if you are in the middle, okay. So if you are, if you are in the so middle, you can. How are you senior then? After after the top, we mm. are next to them. That's what it means. So you are, we have senior members mm -hmm. who are made up of the lecturers, the registrars, and if you like, the vice chancellors. Oh, so what what do you put do then? So what do you put do then in the in the? So if what? I went to University of Ghana, for instance, what's your work? For instance, if you go to the University of Ghana, you will find some of our members teaching at the business school. You also find some of our members working at the accounting and audit departments. You'll find some of our members working at the transport sections. You'll find some of our members working at the security level and some of them working at the hospitals and clinics. And you equally find some of them working in procurement uh, departments. So this is like what this this is like what they call TEU or teachers and educational workers at the, no, the teachers and educational workers union. They are the, the, I mean, it's a separate group from the senior staff uh, association. I see. Okay. Teachers, educational workers, union. And what it means, therefore, is that, Umaru, we have three sets of groups, uh, unions in the public universities. We have what we call UTAC, that is University Teachers Association. Then we have what we call GAWA, who, who are the administrators. Then we have SSA, that is a senior staff association. And then we equally have teachers and educational workers union. So we have um, three different uh, unions within the public okay. sectors, uh, I mean, uh, uh, the public universities in Ghana. This is clear now. Now, let's talk about the decision to resume the strike. You had gone on the strike, you suspended the strike, and you're resuming. What is the yes. problem? The problem actually has to do with our conditions of service and the payment of our tier two pension uh, interest. And you know, when we declared the uh, other strike, the last time we declared strike on the 18th of May, it took government high power delegation to uh, get us to sign on to an agreement that stated 
uh, 60 days ultimatum, which we were very pleased with. What it meant, therefore, is that within these 60 days, we were, trying, I mean, we were going to use it to resolve all the outstanding issues that we've been complaining about. The 60 days ultimatum elapsed on the 19th of July, 2021, and nothing has happened. In between that, we have also gone to sign another agreement with the Fairway and Salary Commission on the 9th of uh, Ju- uh, 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 June, 20 or May. That was on the 9th of June, rather, 2021. Now, this agreement had also stated that we were supposed to use the period from 30th of June to the 19th of July, within which to resolve to finalize the conditions of service. This agreement was also supervised by Vice Chancellor Ghana and heavily supervised and witnessed by Ghana Tertiary Education Commission. Now, the, 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 the agreement date has also elapsed on the 19th of July, yet our problems remain unresolved. And these were the two strong agreements that got us to suspend the industrial strike action. So what it means in effect is that the basis on which the strike was suspended has been defeated, and we are left with no option then to go back to peace. So since 2008, is it the case that there was no commitment or nothing at all was happening? Well, there was no commitment until somewhere 5th May 2019. And a condition of service that we took over, or we are jointly negotiating with FUSAC. They started negotiating on the 5th of May. And up to date, we have not been able to finish a single item. We haven't been able to free a single item. And that is where our concerns are. That the when we presented our, our, our conditions of service to the Fair and Salary Commission, we were asked to put him on record that within a period of one month everything was going to be resolved. That did not happen. And painfully enough, when this agreement was signed, because it was supervised by no less uh, a, a person than the vice chancellors themselves. And the DTEC, who are the custodians and the regulators of all universities in Ghana, we had every hope that whatever happens, they were going to respect the agreement this time around. And that was when they stated the suspension of the strike. But what, that did not happen. What will be the role, if any, of the NLC? And what has been the role of the NLC in this issue? In all sincerity, the NLC has not played a neutral role. To be very sincere with you, that on the... Um, on the 19th of October 2020, the senior staff embarked on a strike. It took the National Labor Commission to direct the union to stay action and summon the parties to the National Labor Commission of Ghana. And directives were made to both parties. And government again flouted that directive and did not do anything. And that got the, uh, the senior staff to strike again on the 21st of January 2021 over the same matter. It took again the National Labor Commission to go to court and secure an injunction against us to, 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 to call off the strike and, and, and invited us for hearing. We went there. Government again was given a directive, which I still have. On the 28th of January, a directive was issued to the government of Ghana to use three months ranging from that 28th to the 31st of March within which to resolve all our standing issues, a responsibility government of Ghana accepted to do, and that was not done. They flouted the directive. So our thinking was that this punitive, uh, uh, we were thinking that there should have been some punitive measures taken on the part of National Labor Commission 
to get government to respect the directive. That did not happen. That did not happen. And, and, and I can say on authority that um, National Labor Commission has not been very helpful in this matter, to be very sincere with you. But there will still be the arbiter or the institution that will be arbitrating between the two of you. The last time well, you went on this strike, they asked you to, to arrest the strike, and you did. You have returned. That's an, um, uh, that would amount to a defiance of a directive by a state institution that has the power or capacity to mediate in such affairs. Who can solve your problems and NLC cannot? Well, what we are now going to do, as we stated in our press conference that was held on the 27th of May, that on Monday, Tuesday, between Monday and Tuesday, a petition will be sent to the Parliament of Ghana to look into the matter. Because it appears due to Ghana Tertiary Education Commission that is supposed, or that is the regulator of public universities in Ghana, have come into us and they have failed. Because they were at the high-powered government delegation uh, 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 meeting that got us to sign the agreement on the 19th of May. That never saw the light of day. They were equally present at the Legon Hall Commonwealth when we signed on to an agreement that never saw the light of day. So we are now thinking that having tried all these avenues, we think that our next line of uh, uh, action or our next option is to submit uh, a petition to the Parliament of Ghana to look into our matter and find an amicable, permanent solution to this problem that we've been talking about over a period of three years. You believe Parliament can fix the problem that the NLC could not? We haven't tried them, and we haven't shown that they are not neutral. So we have to go to Parliament and see how Parliament also will deal with the matter. Because the neutrality of NLC, as I said, has become doubtful in our minds. Like it or hate it. That's what is running through the senior staff of universities and members in Ghana. That when government violated your directive, you were mute. But when we are on strike, why is it that NLC will not find out what has been the root cause of the problem? And they deal with the root cause and stop tackling the symptoms. If they were dealing with the root cause, I'm sure we would not have gotten to where we are today. Is that to say you would never go back to the NLC, at least not now? Well, I am not sure NLC will be interested in still calling us or asking us or directing us or going to court to secure an injunction. But let's see what the coming days will uh, bring to us. If the NLC chair was listening or executive director was listening to you, what would you say to him? I would tell him that they should try to look at the root cause of the problem. That they should try and find out from government what is making it difficult for government to respect the directives of a statutory agency like National Labor Commission that has the powers of the High Court? What is it? What punitive action was taken against government when government violated these directives? And, and which directive did government violate? I have just told you that, Umaru, that government was directed to use the period three months within which to resolve all our concerns. And I'm saying that that elapsed on the 31st of March 2021. Did you, give them, the did you give them any reminders? Maybe they forgot, possibly very busy with COVID. Government had forgotten. Government mm. did not forget. On 23rd of March, when we were left with a week for the deadline to elapse, we wrote again to the National Labor Commission a copy of which they have in their past that Looking at the posture of government, we were suspicious that government of Ghana was not going to respect their directives. And we prompted them 
to check government, to enforce their supreme authority, to get government to respect their directives. National Labor Commission do not even acknowledge receipt of what we would. They do not even acknowledge, they do not respond to anything. And true to our word, 31st of March landed, and yet the directives were not respected. And we have not come across any new action that has been taken against government for violating the directives of a statutory agency that has the powers of the High Court. We haven't seen, we haven't come across any. This parliament you are going to is made up of MPs who some are from the governing party. The chairman of the committee that you'll be meeting is most likely going to be chaired by an MPP person. You think that you're going to, you know, get something there. I mean, as you're going to get, you're going to be heard there when you're not heard by the minister for employment or minister for the appropriate minister that will be responsible for your issues. Well, we are very clear in our mind that government, I mean, parliament of Ghana uh, will definitely uh, look into our matter in a non-partisan manner. We believe that the house is not made up of only, uh, it is made up of both opposition and there are checks and balances. And that's why we think that going to parliament, <laughs> um, we are going to make our case before parliament. Have you considered the courts? Have you considered the courts? Well, the cost implication is not a problem. We have to get there. We have to get there because we have to find solutions. Because our retirees are dying day by day. Their conditions of, I mean, their, 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 their two pension arrears have not been paid to them. And this, this, this year two we are talking about, Omar, you appreciate the fact that the Pension Act 2008, Act 766, dictates that public sector workers contribute 5% of their hard-earned money into a fact that when you go on retirement, the law stipulates that you'll be paid your principal plus all the returns. Why is it that government of Ghana kept this year two pension arrears from 2010 to 2016? And we launched a complaint. We wrote to National Pension Regulatory Authority. They do not even actually receive of the letter. Only of late, they are in the news. I mean, stating everywhere that they are going to prosecute employers who fail to pay the, con uh, what, the pension contribution of their members. One year, the chief corporate, in this case, government, has not been tackled. How fair are they to us? Thank you. Uh, we'll be hopefully speaking to the NLC, put some of the issues you've raised to, to them and see what their response will be. But thank you for speaking to us tonight, sir. Thank you so much, Umaru. That's Zakaria so Mohammed, He's national chairman of the uh, Senior Staff Association, Universities of Ghana. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll be back. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. The outgoing Inspector General of Police, James Opombuenu, has called on police personnel and Ghanaians to continue to support the incoming acting IGP, Dr. George Kufu-Dampare, to enable him succeed. According to him, the new head of the service can only perform his core function to the maximum if the officers of the service give him their support. He spoke at a pull-out ceremony held in his honor.
Apologies, um, 97.3 CTFM, we're supposed to bring you the voice of James Opombueno, the outgoing, if not outgone, Inspector General of Police, who's been pulled out uh, of the uh, the police training school at Tesano. Uh, to the apologies, we had a technical challenge, so you could not hear him. We'll try to rectify that and bring you the statement he made to the members of the police service on his last day as Inspector General, please. Let me do bring some of your reactions on social media to the story we've been bringing you. Mahama Bakojo from Assume says, I voted for Nanado. This current finance minister is very, I can't read that one. We should contribute for cathedral without a single factory in my region. Sometimes uh, common sense is very expensive. Jones and Jones says, The National Cathedral has now become a national burden. Government secured more than 40 million to buy Pasco for the Akufa Domam. Akufa Doma, yet is doing susu to build God's temple. God is not a man to be mocked. Alex Kofi Arini says, Can you please inform the Minister of Finance that the 4% increment on my salary is less than 100 cities and so I cannot pay the cathedral levy monthly or else wahala will happen between me and my wife. Uh, this one from Maham, okay, from Prince Henry in Kofuidwa. And he says, I don't support the strike, but I know these groups are also exercising their constitutional rights. I urge the government to intervene before it's too late. There is too much hardship in the country. The earlier the government of Akufado listens, the better. Uh, Aziz Donla in Wa East says government must address the concerns of some senior of the senior staff of the various universities. Indeed, if government has resources to pay presidential staffers and, and spouses, then the government must address the issue ASAP. Uh, Daniela Tia says Good evening, Omaru. Indeed, if the economy is good, as the finance minister wants us to believe, why all these numerous strikes from the labor unions, propaganda government? And that's a message from Dan Suman. Miftao in Tamil says it's indeed necessary for government to engage the leadership of UTAG. Uh, it's not UTAG. This is a different association. S-S-A-U-O-G. That's the, the initial, if you want to use it, to address their issues and stop them from embarking on the intended strike. Uh, then this one from A.U. Farouk in Tamale, he says, why is the government very hard to listen? Why is government not listening to the cry of the workers? Where is money the Vice President Baumia said Ghana was sitting on? When you do propaganda with realities, uh, when reality strikes, you'll be exposed. Brian says, you increase salary by 4% and you want us to contribute 100 cities. Where we go, um, where we go get them from? Hashtag City Newsroom. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios here at Adabraka in Accra. Do send your message as well, 0549. That's a WhatsApp platform, 0549 986 996. 0549 986 996. You can send tweets, hashtag City Newsroom, tweet at Umaru or at City973. Let's move on to some other stories now. And uh, Akosia should be helping us with that. Akosia. Yes. The minority in parliament has raised concerns over the reduction in the expenditure of some sectors of the economy by government in the 2021 mid-year fiscal policy review. The minority posits that the amount allocated towards the Agenda 111 policy of government to improve the health infrastructure of the country has been slashed by 700 million Ghana cities. Debating on the 2021 mid-year budget review presented on Thursday, the ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Kaysal Atuforsen, described the cutting down of the said expenditures as worrying. My major concern 
has to do with page 96. Mr. Speaker, the minister in page 96 has informed all of us that the expenditure of 1.4 billion meant for Agenda 111, Agenda 111, 1.4, provision of health infrastructure, Agenda 111, has been cut by 700 million Ghana cities. Mr. Speaker, I would have thought that this is something His Excellency the President has informed all of us that is his priority. Mr. Speaker, earlier on, we were informed that Agenda 111 would have been completed in the year 2020. I would have thought that this would have been a priority of state. And so enough resources would be made available. Mr. Speaker, sadly, even though the original budget had said that they were going to make an available an amount of 1.4 billion, only for us to see in the media review that this amount has been reduced by 700 million. Again, Mr. Speaker, you will notice that COVID-19 related expenditure has also been cut by another 700 million ganesses. Mr. Speaker, clearly, 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 our minister is actually moving the economy in the wrong direction. That was ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Kesala Tuforsin. Meanwhile, the chairman of the Finance Committee, Kweku Kwating, has been, has been providing answers on the occurrence. It's important that we make the point that when a government is not asking for more money, it's not asking for more taxes, and yet is committing to preserve those things that matter to people, that government must be doing that something right. And Mr. Speaker, that doing something right is cutting expenditure in places that could be cut and putting the money where it is important. And that is why we see, Mr. Speaker, that the economy is beginning to recover. Real GDP growth is beginning to recover. Inflation is down to 7.8%. Better than the projected 8% for this year. The Bank of Ghana policy rate was reduced to 13.5 in May. As we speak, that has been maintained. That is to make credit cheaper for the private sector so that the private sector can borrow, expand the economy, create jobs and reduce poverty. That was Chairman of the Finance Committee of Parliament, Kweku Kwating. Still in Parliament, the minority is asking the government to, as a matter of urgency, institute measures to ensure that persons who are tested for COVID-19 at the Kotoka International Airport are fully convinced of their results. According to the minority, a video circulating on social media suggests that there are irregularities in the outcome of COVID-19 tests conducted at the airport. Addressing the media, a ranking member on the Health Committee of Parliament, Kwabna Minta Kando, threatened to cause the abrogation of the contract of the firms undertaking such tests if the situation is not addressed in a week. Let's hear from him, uh, Member of Parliament for Jaboso, Honorable uh, Minta Akando, Kabna Minta Akando. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Now, this statement you're making, is it because of that viral video we saw where a lady said she was giving a false result so that she would be fleeced, or you have some other information that may not have been public information to us? This is not the first time I'm getting this information. I've had it on a number of uh, occasions. I see, which means that there are several complaints of the test results. W what are the people generally telling you and what do you want the government to do? Well, um, most of the complaints have to do with uh, the people who are doubting the results of their COVID testing at the Kutuka International Airport. So what we are simply asking government to do is that um, those who doubt the results of their testing should be given 
an opportunity to go through a certain independent testing so that they will convince themselves that indeed um, they are positive or otherwise. And um, I believe that even within that same catchment area, we have a number of laboratories we can use. We have the immigration clinic, we have the airport clinic, we have Nyahu and other clinics within the same area. And so uh, this shouldn't be too much to ask. And uh, we are also calling on government to stop intimidating the people who are speaking out. I mean, this is highly unacceptable. Okay? And so these are the concerns we are using. And we've given timeline. We hope government should be able to do this within one week. The minister responsible for transport and minister responsible for health must be able to put their heads together and come out with a very simple, I mean, I mean, measure to be able to put this thing to a halt. So this is simply what we are asking for. Is it your view that the test results um, become or are becoming positive because there's a problem with the testing regime? Because the lady whose video has gone viral is suggesting that someone did that so they would be she would be forced to go and uh, isolate in a hotel and pay and so on. She makes a lot of wild allegations. In your understanding of the to. situation, is it the case that someone is deliberately turning negative results into positives? Or you I think will. the machines don't have capacity to do the testing and for that reason people are receiving the results they are receiving? Umaru. First and foremost, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to Frontier because that second independent opportunity has not been given. And so what we are saying is that let's put these measures in place. After putting those measures in place, I will find out that there are a number of results that are turning out otherwise. We will not hesitate. To, to ask government to clear up frontiers from the Kodoka International Airport. And therefore, we are asking them to check their regions, to check their machines, so that they'll continue to do a good job for Madagascar. Now, you have always been making a case against the operations of that company at the airport. You've consistently made noise about it. Nothing has happened. What new thing you do you want to see done now? Omar, Omar, you call that noise? I use noise in a positive sense. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, 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 you see, the issues we have raised all this while has to do with procurement issues. Okay? You remember the committee, the Parliamentary Select Committee on Health went to the Kotoka International Airport and inspected the facilities of the frontiers. And according to the arrangement or what have you, I said, well, I have nothing against it. What my eyes could see I said it. So it doesn't mean that if there's something going on, regions and issues of perfections of machines cannot be seen by the eye. You know, so it, it has nothing to do with the issues. After the issues of procurement, we even have a whole motion on it, funding in our, I mean, I mean, I mean, other paper. We'll come to those issues. We'll come to those issues. Those issues must not affect the health of the people. We must, they are distinguishable. So we shouldn't miss the two at all. Yes, we have issues about their, I mean, the procurement process and what have you. But this has to do with numerous reports and complaints coming through that people who test positive and negative before embarking on their trip arrive at the Kotoka International Airport and they turn up turning positive. So these are the issues we must deal with. And of course, it's not as though it is impossible 
So that is why we are calling for an independent taking opinion. It is possible that you may take, I mean, um, I mean, negative at your, I mean, your country of origin and test uh, positive at your destination. There is that possibility, but we will not conclude. We, will, we, are, we, are, we don't want to believe that it's an opportunity for somebody to create some money for relatives or friends. Or I don't want to believe that. I am not there yet. Let me convince myself. Okay, thank you. And uh, since you mentioned independent opinion, it's fair to just get a quick update from you on the independent view you've been uh, you've been seeking in relation to the Sputnik V vaccine. Uh, your, your committee, <laughs> your committee has been doing some work. No, it's not ambush. You said to us today that you actually called a press conference and said that the report was going to be out today. Is the report out? You know, Omar, let me tell you what really happened. I mean, I was addressing the press on this particular issue, the Christmas Kotika International Airport. And as usual, how you do your thing, somebody smuggled that question in while I was before the cameras. I was compelled to give an answer. But the truth of the matter is that, one, you know, I'm the vice chair of that ad hoc committee. It is an article to comment on the proceedings of the committee once we have not concluded on the issues before as a reported thing in the plenary. But what I can tell you for a fact is that, yes, we, we, we haven't finished. And uh, I think that within the shortest possible time, you get to know whatever you want to do. So the vice chairman was addressing a press conference on a separate issue. A journalist asks you a question, and yes, you decide, like you. and you decided to answer like even though you didn't have facts. That is unbecoming of no, a vice chairman. No, there was, there was, there was, there was no answer I gave that will contradict me. No, you gave an answer that suggested that the report will be out today. It says it's eighteen oh seven. Never, never play it back to my hearing. Never, you, never. You didn't say that. If somebody has misreported, the person must correct himself. You never said never. that. You never said that the never. report will be out today. Never. I'm saying that we will say something on the report today, and indeed, the minority leader indicated on the because you see the fact of the matter is that today ends the three weeks we were given, and so I told them that no matter what they will hear something about it today, because we needed to tell the house to program it. For next week, so it must appear in the business statement. So no matter what, during the discussion of the business statement, it will come out. But it's not come, so the day is over. It came out. Oh, the, the, the minority leader raised the issue of programming the report of the ad hoc committee for consideration next week. It came up. I see. So your committee work is done. Well, once we've not submitted our report, I can't say it's done. I see. You've called all your witnesses, haven't you? Anything that can happen tomorrow. So once we've not presented the report to the plenary, we've not closed the case yet. Based on your estimation, the report will be presented by next week, Tuesday, maybe or Monday. Well, I can't give a specific day and a specific date, but I pray that all things being equal, we should be able to present it next week. All right. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. <laughs> That's the Honorable Kwabna Minta Akando. He is Member of Parliament for Jaboso and Vice Chairman of the um, 
the the health committee of parliament and since we've discussed the issue of the committee report the press conference he called today is appropriate to let our listeners know exactly what he said so we are on the same page let's listen to Kabna Mintakando speak earlier in the day no matter what we have to tell parliament something today i think that uh, if you have nothing to 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 hide you have nothing to fear and we are doing our work as expected of us so i have absolutely nothing to fear no matter what, we have to tell Parliament something today. I think that uh, if you have nothing to, to, to hide, you have nothing to fear. And we are doing our work as expected of us. So I have absolutely nothing to fear, nothing to hide, and therefore there's no pressure on us. We are doing our worst, I mean, to the best of our ability. And I think that Ghanaians can bear testimony to it. We sat in public due to the fact that it was of high public interest. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that uh, there's anything uh, untoward about documents in the system. Not at all. When the committee reports come, you have the opportunity to read through and then draw your conclusions. So that's um, a member of parliament, former deputy minister and the ranking or vice chairman of the health committee of parliament, Kwabna. Minta Akando there, so it's fair to say that he did not say the report is going to be out today. Instead, he said Parliament would hear something from them, which he said has since been said to the House. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Dr. Uefriye is a member of Parliament, also chairman of the Health Committee of Parliament. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. The issue of frontiers uh, never goes away. It is back on the front banner. Okay, apologies. We do not have Dr. Nana Ifri uh, there. This is Eyewitness News. We'll be back with more. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News. Let's go back. Dr. Nana Ifri is chairman of the Health Committee of Parliament. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. The issue of um, the company that is testing for COVID-19 at the airport, um, that news keeps repeating itself and the news cycle it is back on the radar tonight and again over the past few days or weeks that there are people who receive COVID test results, results that they do not believe because prior to leaving their countries of origin, they would have tested negative only to arrive in Ghana and uh, be told that they've tested positive. One lady demonstrated her test live on, on, on video and she turned out negative even though she was supposed to be in isolation. It's becoming too worrying. Uh, what do you suggest can be done to deal with this issue? Um, thank you, Amaro. Uh, the lady's video, was she in isolation? She said she was in a hotel, I think M Plaza or something like that, yeah. Okay, so she did a test after a certain period of time. I and then when the next day or the next two days after she was uh, checked in at the hotel, I, I don't have the facts to that issue, so but I want to speak. I want to come around the issue this way. Okay. Um, yeah, basically, what I want to say is that um, PCR antigen testing during this COVID time are complementary to each other. Um, I think the objective of testing at the airport is really to reduce the influx of infections or import of infections to this country because we are poor and the devastating effect of COVID we cannot endure or even sustain, unlike those who bring the issue from the West. And in any case, the same airport that tested and saw that people were bringing Delta variant into this country, and it was imported. So 
So many people have been denied entry initially because of the same test equipment that did their work. Um, I would admit that as a technical person, definitely you can do a test and a test can be false positive. And you can do a test, a test can be false negative. I would say that normally that will come from the equipment, can be from the agent, can be from even the sample taking. Therefore, you can have an error. So that is also there. But, but it should not be more than probably that false positives in any time shouldn't be more than 5%, of which the UK is indicated by NICE. I mean, any such false should not be more than 5%. So that would probably like 5 out of 100 cases acceptable. So if you are part of those ones, then again, you have a case. So it, like I say, antigen testing is not 100%, but it's amazing that WHO recommend this to people. The antigen testing should be 70%. That is, for every 10 tests you do, seven should be positive. Um, positive. It should be seven. And if you're positive, then it comes out as negative. Or if you're negative, it comes out as positive. Three of them is okay. That is the global acceptable indexed by WHO. Now, in Ghana, the FDA is higher than that of the WHO. For FDA, you should have an antigen or a specificity of about 97%. What it means is that 9.7, roughly about 10. So that is for everything you test. 9.7 should be 8, and maybe 0.3 should be the error. So that is that for large numbers, you can extrapolate or configure 0.3% to be assessed. And people will say it's negligible, but then it is a case that you can have false positive or false negative. So I don't know the case to which this woman finds herself. Now, it is one. Also, this is one forum I will challenge the media men to bring instead to speak on because I'm a medical doctor. I would always do my evidence-based um, talk, and it's not politics. Um, Omaru, when you sit in the flight, there also is a possibility that on the flight you can have infection. You may have a mask, but you see, the control of masks on people's face are subjective for those who are listening to me. There comes a point in, in work, you want to put the mask a bit more under your nose, under your mask, to feel like you are suffocating, get into your car. And the same is people who travel for long distance on flights. Expected to put on... Um, your mask, but when they are sharing food for you on your flight, they don't expect you to feed through the mask. I'm sorry, you are supposed to put your mask down. So when you breathe in and out, there is a possibility you can transmit infection when your mask is off your nose within that period when you are eating on the flight. Okay, now this is the other cause of the issue. The other catch here is this now, if the USA I tested negative with PCR 72 hours before boarding a flight to Ghana. And I sit by somebody who has the virus, okay? Now, there is a possibility that I can have infection. It cannot be all the people on the flight. That would be so funny, extremely funny. It is not possible. It should be a case that a few people, maybe two, three, is it possible that you can be infected or four. All right, depending. Now, well, this is what it means. Now, antigen testing always can pick infection from zero hours to 24 hours. Because when the, the viral particle touches your nostril or your throat, PCR between, research shows that PCR does not pick between 0 to 24 hours. PCR is able to pick normally between day 1 to day 3 very well, and then thereafter, symptomatic period and all of them. 
Now, antigen is able to pick from zero hours to 24 hours. Okay, so this is what it means. Supposing you sit on a flight from the UK, about six hours flight to Ghana, and you got a particle, which is not all of you. It's just going to be maybe two, three, four people. Fine, because you are eating. You put your mask off, and therefore, transmission is high during when you are eating. Okay. I ask that um, all of these international agencies know of all this, and they are not banning flights. It is moving because, hey, there's a balance between economic poverty in, 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 in COVID. So at least there's risk, but hey, I mean, on the net, people want to travel, so you have to fly. Okay, we hear you. Now, you, you, you get within six hours, you get a viral particle of which you, unfortunately, is a person on the flight who had that one. That is I who transmitted to you. So it's not possible that you can have a flight and only one person may have it. It will be like a case that two, minimum two will have it. Somebody will share to somebody. All right? Okay, good. Now, you arrive into this country and then antigen will pick you up because this is where the RNA is replicating or the virus is replicating with the body protein and therefore it's replicating. And so from zero to 24 hours, which a, a six-hour flight from UK is within, a 10-hour flight from the U.S. is within, and therefore you arrive at the airport, and out of about 200 people on the flight, there's only about three or four people that is positive. Now, okay. you did PCR, Doc, you're taking us through a whole laboratory explanation. It, 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 it helps make a lot of sense, so we understand the issue. But despite all the explanations you've given, the issue of uh, confidence in the tests that are given at the airport is still an issue that should be considered so that if there's low trust in what is done at the airport, then there's a there's a problem. How can that be addressed so that we do not go well, through this challenge? FDA, FDA goes to airports every week to look at equipment. Also, every test that is made at the airport, temp, every antigen test, the temp sample is confirmed by the PCR. And so they're, 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 with the FDA of this country, they, you can't just joke with them. They are very serious about it. But I think they are supposed to keep communicating to the public to be reassuring. I also think that people have issues with the cost. I mean, really much, look, I think it's about time that Ghanaians are supposed, first of all, Ghanaians are paying $50. And some Ghanaians are now of other countries citizenship, and therefore they're paying $150. I think the issue of paying $150 on, at the airport is really the issue that really, really um, 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 ex people, and then it moves into the point of and then and then, then it moves into the issue of distress and they're not even accepting the results because of, you have to test me at the airport again. But if you, there is a case of, of people think that anything about the West is, is, is right. Look, I mean, in any case, if they were getting it right, then they have, they, in the UK you have about 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 80% of the population vaccinated, but you have over over 30% infected of 40, more than those who are. So in any case, you, you, you cannot use the West to intimidate us here. Make issue about cost. I think it's about time that people like me will support arguments of the cost of one visit dollars. If that is irritating you, don't go and hide under the quality of, of, of service. Quality of service is different from um, of anger due to the fact that you, you are being charged one fifty dollars. But you see, now if you go to Rwanda, you don't have a choice. They have not asked you to come home. 
if you sit on a flight, you get to Rwanda, which is just in the As soon as you arrive, you go to a hotel, you pay $100 from post. Come at $60, 60 to 100 Now, the next day, you do PPR at your own cost. It's $100. Okay, if you are a citizen, I think it's about $60. Now, it is at your own cost. So in Rwanda, compulsorily, before you go to the, before you arrive, you should know that you are, whether you are a Rwandese or not, you are going to um, the, the hotel for $100. Now, the next day, you are doing a test for between $50 to $100. So you are paying between $150 to $200, depending upon if you are Rwandese or not. But you should put note to it. Now, the issue is that various countries do it everyhow. Ghana was the first to do testing at airports before UAE came in. And then you go to Canada, you arrive. As soon as you arrive, you do PCR at the airport. You go to your house, um, compulsory quarantine. You do third day, do seven day. Each of which costs more than $100 and you are supposed to pay. Okay. It appears that also in the UK, when you arrive, compulsory quarantine, 10 days. And you are going to pay third day and co. So it appears anything of the white man is right. Anything of the black man like a Ghanaian is wrong. That yeah. argument, I think okay. they are flawed because really much, I disagree. But yeah. if it's about cost, then I think it's about time that people like me will support it. Because really much, you, then let us look at the other alternatives. Will you go to a, a, a hotel compulsory and the next day we do a PCR, not even an antigen, so you are sure of what, mm. what, what you want. Mm. Now, the minority race issue of confirmation testing, I am okay with that. I am okay. If I do antigen testing and then it is positive and I say, oh, I'm going to pay $100 again for you to do PCR so that I can know it's negative or positive. I am okay. I will support it. The patient has a right to a different opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. But you see, right. let me tell you something. The fact that your PCR is negative and your antigen is positive at airport does not mean you are okay. Because the PCR will be taking, will not be, will be struggling to see if you are positive within the time you had the infection. But the antigen will grab you. We need you to end should it not be able, you should not be released less than three days. If your antigen grab you, the only time you can have the chance to go home of which a PCR is done on the third day. Right. So this issue of confirmatory testing, I want a forum. Thank you, and Doc. the scientists should be there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Nana Yuefriye. He's chairman of the Health Committee of Parliament. This is Eyewitness News. Okosia. The Lands and Natural Resources Minister, Samuel Abdullahi Jinapo, says the five containers of rosewood impounded last month will be used for the construction of the National Cathedral. On June 30, 2021, the five containers were impounded after officials of the Energy Commission raised suspicion that they contained illegal charcoal for export. The sector minister made this known during the evacuation of the confiscated rosewood seized at the Tema port. As you all recall, on the instructions of the President of the Republic, I put a ban as Minister for Lands and Natural Resources on the export of rosewood. For the avoidance of doubt, let me reiterate it. No rosewood is to be exported outside the shores of Ghana. So I'm here to observe for myself and I must quickly admit that I'm absolutely satisfied with the work of customs and with the work of the port officials because the, the rosewood which was attempted to be smuggled out of this port which has been confiscated as was widely reported had uh, five containers of rosewood and as you can see all the five containers are right here. Government is taking the decision donate all rosewood confiscated towards the construction of the National Cathedral. Wow. So in addition to 
the ban on the export of rosewood, all rosewood confiscated should and will be donated to the National Cathedral for us to construct the National Cathedral for the good people of this country. When the National Cathedral has, turns out to have enough of rosewood, we will take other measures, either to donate it to other public institutions, and if we're even minded at any stage to have a public auction for domestic use, be rest assured that it will be done in a sense with a sense of integrity. You heard the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, Samuel Abdullahi Jinapo. Meanwhile, the prosecution of persons who attempted to export the five containers of rosewood has begun. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Hello and welcome to City Business News on Eyewitness News. It's brought to you by Vodafone Together We Can and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Mina W. Let's settle for the details now. Minister of State at the Ministry of Finance, Charles Idubwa-Hing, has attributed the inability of government to meet its revenue targets for the first half of 2021 to the late commencement of new revenue collection measures introduced in the main budget in March this year. Government, according to the 2021 mid-year budget presentation, missed its first half revenue target by about 13% as total revenue and grants from January to June this year mounted to 28.3 billion Ghana cities as against the programmed amount of 32.4 billion Ghana cities. The, min- the government uh, performed better on the expenditure front as it fell short of its programmed amount by about 5 billion Ghana cities, spending 50.6 billion Ghana cities against the programmed target of 55.1 billion Ghana cities. The Minister of State and the Ministry of Finance, Charles Dubois, however, in an interaction on the City Breakfast Show today, said he was confident revenue numbers will improve before the end of the year. I think one of the things is that a lot of you remember in the march we introduced a few new tax revenue measures mm-hmm. we only got to start implementing them in may mm-hmm. so you don't you haven't seen the impact fully yet mm-hmm. so i i am very confident that we'll recover that two billion in the second half of the year as these new tax revenue measures kick in mm-hmm. and we start generating the revenue so you are not that concerned that you would you have to adjust your expenditures to reflect the lower revenue you got you know we constantly monitor our revenue inflows and we match our expenditures to our revenue mm-hmm. because that's the more prudent way to do it on a quarterly basis mm-hmm. but we are confident and you know gra the ghana revenue authority who i should really commend seem very focused and determined to make sure that the media numbers if they've even set themselves a stretch target try and say that they want to even beat their revenue target and exceed it Mm-hmm. You know, and we are confident that they seem to be doing making the right moves. Minister of State at the Ministry of Finance, Charles Dubois-Hing. Traders Advocacy Group Ghana has commended the government for not introducing new taxes in the mid-year budget review. The government, as part of efforts towards reviving the economy amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, introduced some new taxes, including the energy sector recovery levy. These taxes were met with a lot of opposition as the Ghana Union of Traders Association called on the government to ensure the citizenry gets value for money to prevent tax fatigue. In an interview with City Business News, General Secretary of the Traders Advocacy Group Ghana, Nana Puku, said a scrapping of some of these new taxes that he describes as nuisance would have been preferred. 
adding more taxes to traders i think would have been a suicidal action because the way the economy is trending now you could see a certain agency of um, capital lost on the side of the traders a lot of the traders have lost most of their capitals and yet the finance ministry trying to come up with additional taxes wouldn't have helped and more so there are some news and taxes formerly the vice president advocated for it to be moved from the taxation um, chart and now we see that a lot have come on board different taxes that they are taking and yet the port taxes once lesson have shot up again now we expect to see government take out more of the nuisance taxes that the vice president once advocated for it because it is not helping businesses Nana Poku is General Secretary of the Traders Advocacy Group Ghana. The failure of the finance minister to address the recent shortage of poultry feed in the mid-year bandage review has come as a shock to the Poultry Farmers Association. Poultry farmers in the country are still struggling to find feed for their beds and they were expecting the finance minister in the budget review to announce government's plans to salvage the situation. Unfortunately, this did not happen and these farmers are now uncertain about the future of their industry. The following report has the rest of the story. Poultry farmers across the country are currently faced with scarcity and high cost of maize and other ingredients needed for feed production. Since the latter part of 2020, these farmers have bemoaned the development and are warning of the collapse of their industry should the problem continue to linger. In the just-ended mid-year budget review presentation, the finance minister, Ken Furiata, announced the government's plans to modernize the agri-sector by investing in initiatives that would improve production and productivity in the rice, poultry, soybean and tomato subsectors this year. The president of the Greater Accra Poultry Farmers Association, Michael Nyako Ampim, in reacting to this announcement, lamented the lack of detail and timelines for this projection and the failure of the government to address the looming shortage of poultry feed for their beds. They stated that they've consulted the value chain and, and so uh, they are putting in place measures to ensure that maize production goes up, um, uh, poultry production goes up, and soya production goes up. But the details of it, how is it going to uh, go up, by what percentage, mm. and when? The maize production, you could have said maybe we are moving from uh, 1.6 that we had last year to maybe 1.9 million tons. You, you give the details so that we, okay. uh, there's some reassuring. Right. But in the interim, in the short term, where does the, the things have run out, how do we ensure that we have food security? So it's, it's something that my, I think that I was a bit disappointed. Disappointed. That was the president of the Greater Car Poetry Farmers Association, Michael Nyakwampin, ending that report by Ellen Dapper. Now, Ghana's vaccine production efforts will not be successful if it does not create a favorable regulatory environment to enable it to deliver safe and effective vaccines within the African sub-region. And this according to president and founder of M Pedigree, Bright Simmons. President Nane Kufuado, during his 26th update on measures taken by the government to reduce the rising cases of COVID-19 in the country announced that government was set to give some 25 million U.S. dollars as seed money towards the establishment of a national vaccine institute to spearhead the country's efforts as producing vaccines locally. 
Speaking at the third edition of the Ghana Pharma Summit in Accra, Bright Simmons urged government to create a regulatory harmonization scheme to enable Ghana stand in a stand a better chance rather of benefiting from the production of COVID-19 vaccines on the African continent. And the truth is that it has not led to vaccine trade. It has not even led to pharmaceutical trade beyond a certain level. So it's not just liberalizing the tariffs that will make much of a difference. You need regulatory harmonization, which has already been mentioned. Because if it takes me one year to register my vaccine in Chad, it makes no, no, no point. So unless we have a regulatory harmonization scheme with Ghana at the heart of it, it will be a bit difficult. But if Ghana has taken a strategic decision that it wants to be a hub for biopharma, then I think it's in Ghana's interest to align its diplomacy to push regulatory harmonization. But the only way Ghana will be able to reap the benefits of those investments in order to attract these guys would be if regulatory harmonization means that if I register my vaccine in Ghana and I'm producing in Ghana, I can supply the whole of ECOWAS. The second issue is really cost of capital. If a vaccine producer is going to come into Ghana, two factors constitute the market risk. The first factor is the fact that when they come into Ghana and they have to borrow internationally, our local currency the continued depreciation of our local currency and a high inflation mean that if they are getting their returns in CD terms, they're already losing money every year. President and founder of M Pedigree, Bright Simmons. And that's it for City Business News and Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone Together We Can. It's also powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Mina W. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Say 10 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandama. We're going back to COVID 19 on Point Blank. The issue of vaccines and all the controversial issues around COVID 19 and the management of COVID 19 in Ghana. Tonight on Pamela, we bring you an interview with Dr. 
Amponsa Achiano is the head of extended immunization program of the Ghana Health Service. And he spoke to my colleague, City News' Hansen Ajiman. Let's listen. Quickly, we were able to deploy downs in the sense that the vaccine landscape is quite difficult. I mean, acquiring vaccines has been a very difficult task. And so far, it's been okay. Compared to other countries within the Southern region, I think Ghana probably stands tall in terms of attempts to get vaccines and also the de deployment. Specifically, how many have we done in respect to the double dose? For a double dose, we've done approximately 400,000. Let me explain. First, you need to give a single dose, then a second dose. So if you look critically, we've done 800 plus, 800,000 plus, minimum one dose. And within that 800, more than half have taken two doses, let's say approximately half have taken two doses. So if you combine, we've done about 1.2, nearly 1.3 million doses. Okay. Some haven't received only one dose, others haven't received two doses. So if you pick at random and say, I mean, if you want to break it further, I would say approximately 450,000 have received only one dose. And then around 410,000, almost 480,000 have received two doses. Okay. So, so I mean, the 800,000 plus is respect to the individuals. Individuals. So now you can see 800,000 people have mm -hmm. received at least one, one dose. One, one dose. Correct. In, interesting. I mean, it started with, 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 with the political vision of vaccinating 20 million. And I mean, as experts, I'm sure you might have had your own vision as okay, well. So with, with, with this, how will you, will you rate the, the work that you've done? Probably, I wouldn't call it a political vision. We actually did a plan mm -hmm. and looked at uh, the whole, the entire deployment. So we picked, at the time, based on the vaccines available, we picked those who were eligible to receive a vaccine. And so for all the vaccines that have passed emergency use authorization, either by the FDA in U US or WHO, we could go only as low as 16 years. And so that entire population of 16 year olds are the ones that we call or we term as eligible to receive. Within that, you have also pregnant women and so you take them out. So in total, it was around 17.5, million. 18 million people who were eligible at the time. So it's just a roundup. So, so, so the, 20, 20, the million. 20 million actually is, is as a result of, of a plan Correct. presented Correct. to government by Correct. the Ghana. So it was a roundup. Okay, then round it up to 20 million. That was all. It's not a political. How has it been? We have um, we have about six months to the end of the year, and we just have one point two or three million doses that have been that have been administered. I mean, you have six months more to go, correct? And you understand the vaccine market. How 
is a strategy moving forward. Okay, so first of all, let me probably go back to the basic. When we did a plan, we knew we had, in fact, we had two scenarios. Traditionally, when we are doing a campaign, when we have an outbreak, we do what we call vaccination campaign. So you vaccinate all people within normally maximum two weeks. Traditionally, 10 days. So we looked at the scenario. Okay, if you're able to get all the vaccines for 20 million people, approximately, I'm just wondering that. We could do this in a maximum of a month with maybe one week break. That's if you have all the vaccines. Now, looking at the vaccine landscape, you may not be able to get all the vaccines. So why don't you plan in terms of segmentation? Okay, who comes first? Who comes in the second? So if you remember, the very first plan that we adored, we explained all the media the things, the groupings, correct. So it was based on the fact that we're not going to get vaccines like we do when we get campaigns. I mean, when we are doing campaigns. But we've had experience with, we've vaccinated 42% of the population before. At least we're under 15. And we did that in seven, maximum 10 days. Normally we'll add some two days as mop-up. And so it was based on our experience that we are only limited by the vaccines. Otherwise, if the people are willing to, I mean, to go for the vaccine, we can do this in two weeks. Now, we will come to the willingness of the people and how to deal with it. But, but first, we'll have to get the vaccines. And I mean, commentary suggests that there's, there's a real difficulty, yes, which I'm sure you're privy to. Yes, I, I was developing a point. So, okay. so based on that, we knew that in the third quarter, we we're going to get influx of vaccines. And that is why from the beginning we said, no, let's maintain our target. And normally if you don't present an ambitious target, you even get a vaccine. Okay. That's the first place. So if you look at our plan, our plan was the first to pass. And that is why Ghana was the first country to benefit from COVAX. Right. It was based on our plan. So if you had gone me mediocre, oh, two, two million, you wouldn't even get a vaccine. So it was strategic, and it's not based on the fact that we just want a vaccine, but based on our experience. So, and so next month, September, October, and towards the end of the year, we know we are going to get a lot of vaccines. How is this, where is this confidence coming from? It's coming from the interactions I've been having, uh, not just me, but the country has been having with stakeholders, including COVAX, including other stakeholders. Any, so that's based on that. any, any of the conversations that have reached a stage that you can, you can open up to the media? On? Yes, I, I've, we've already opened up. Even uh, I, I remember the last uh, uh, interaction between the president and the, the population. I think it was, it was put out. And it's all based on these communications. So, so we have. So from next month, what 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 we know that they've been uh, the, the the tools for getting these vaccines vary. We have the Covax facilities. We have the ones that have been purchased. So if we are going to specifics from next month going, where should we be expecting vaccines? From? Okay. So from next month, you remember in the in the original plan we said the sources of vaccines would be. 
bilateral arrangements, multilateral, including COVAX. Yeah. And within COVAX, there are two arrangements. There's one that is cost sharing. They're having three arrangements. There's dose sharing, I'll explain. There's cost sharing. And there's one that COVAX just brings to you as part of, I mean, like. So the cost sharing is the one you will purchase from within COVAX at a subsidized price. Then there's a dose sharing where the giants like US, UK, who are the manufacturers say, okay, we are giving so many doses for other countries who are not producing. That's dose sharing. And then there's also the bilateral, mm -hmm. country to country. And then within the country, the private sector. Okay. The private sector one hasn't materialized yet, but it's still not out of, the, I mean, it's not uh, taken out completely because with the private sector, you still need to get, I mean, if you look at the, the interactions, you still need to get, let's say, a bank like Exxon Bank or World Bank or some other to support that process in acquiring. So it's not as straightforward. You don't, you don't just go to the factory. And do it. No, it doesn't work like that. Because these vaccines are under emergency use authorization. So, for now, I knew I, I know that uh, the ministry put some a lot of vaccines on the table of EU. EU is also negotiating. Apart from COVAX, EU is also negotiating for vaccines. So for now, we know that they have, uh, it's about we have about seventeen million doses of Johnson and Johnson on the plate of EU. EU hasn't told us that they cannot. They haven't told us yet. So once they, it's it's on the table, it means you are looking for the vaccine. Yeah. You, under, you understand? Ghana has requested 17 million. Long time. It's not years. just now. It was about two or so months ago. Then we knew that the earliest delivery of Johnson & Johnson was going to be the latter part of the third quarter and early part of fourth quarter. So this one, we knew it more than three months ago. We, so that's, that's, one. that's one. Then the other one is a bilateral. So the government-to-government -government arrangement with U.S. yielded 1 point. Now it's 1.4 million. They gave us 1 point. Two, two, three, thereabout, and then just about two days ago, they have added hundred thousand. So one point. It's about one point three. Let me round it up. Have they arrived already? No. You see, once you see arrival of vaccines is a different thing. Okay. Once it is given to you, not on not if the vaccines were say housed in say like DRC one. Yeah. That one we can make arrangements and, and pick them. It's not like that. So there are a lot of paperwork agreement signed and all that. So it takes some time. If I initially, we assumed the way the communication came, we assumed that it was in the US and that they were going to airlift it until we got information that no, it was going to go through COVAX. It was still, I mean, government to government, but they are bringing it through COVAX. Okay, so uh -huh. we've, we've cleared bilateral, we've cleared um, multilateral. multilateral. The private is the one. Yes, the private sector the is the funding once we agree that okay now we have enough fund to purchase vaccines then the arrangements will start is it through as bank is it through this bank or whatever the, the u.s one is a dose sharing it's dose sharing now in in your modest estimation how many vaccines should Ghanaians expect say in the next two or three months dependent on conversations you are privy to. Okay, for now, for now, as I said, now, 
in next month we should expect around 2 million 2 million yes, vaccines two million. And, and doses doses of yes, vaccines yes. and this will be um, which type Pfizer and AstraZeneca so okay. Pfizer is nearly 1.3 1.4 AstraZeneca around 500,000 so if you add it in it's about 2 million what what we are having these conversations and hopefully to hope for to get these things do we still have vaccines in Ghana as of now no, and that we had not a single dose is available the only dose we have if you remember we also put it across that we had some sputnik v vaccines if you remember yeah about um, 10,000 of the yeah. component one and then another 10,000 plus of the component two so we've used the component one you cannot use a component two on anybody it should be the same people who took the component one it's not like astrazeneca where you can give random uh -huh, i mean like to anybody this one once you get component one i reserve your in a way, not totally different, but slightly different. So the reservation. That's the only vaccine we have. And and you are reserving it for the people you've used the. Yes, 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 yes. Is it we that can, we can't start at first because it's a component two? Okay. So second. Is it that their their time for the second dose has not? No, they are doing now. Ashanti is doing it. Greater Accra is doing it. It's, oh. it's due. Okay. Remember, we also communicated with you that we were going to. We had as it were, reserves on vaccines because of the sensors. Okay. Uh -huh. So largely it's for the, those who did it. So, and remember, they're also part of the population. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them had even received some doses as part of the one that we, we started with initially. So those who were naive for vaccines were the ones that were given. Now, there's always the vaccine, the, the sequencing of, of, of the virus, and I'm sure the the vaccine conversation also takes knowledge of of these conversations that is correct there have been the point about the delta, the delta variant and noguchi has had cause to release a press statement of a course on the sort of of, of load of the kind of delta variant that they've, they've sequenced how has that informed our vaccine conversation and quest for vaccine and which type of vaccines okay. we are after. So for now, all the vaccines that we have in, in our plan are supposedly good for all kinds of variants. Not until we have another conversation that, oh, okay, there's a particular vaccine that is not doing so well. We'll, we'll go by the, the same plan. Okay. So for example, Sputnik came up uh, earlier on and indicated that for, for they even anticipate that any virus, any variant that comes, it will still be, be effective. You know, the, the, the parent virus is there. It's just slight modification of it. So what they call, what the scientists call mutation. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's the parent one is there. And normally vaccines cross-react okay. in the sense that you, you, may have, you may even have another virus which is not... Cov, cov, I mean SARS-CoV-2, but close to SARS-CoV-2, and a, a vaccine that was produced for SARS-CoV-2 can deal with it. Because even though your immune system can be very specific, there's also the non-specific part that can mop up other viruses that are close. So that's a hope that it won't be too different for vaccines not to work. 
Now, so for now, we are, we, I personally, let me tell you why, from my professional point of view, okay. I don't care about Delta. What I care about is the fact that COVID is here. And I would explain, you see, the gem next week can have another variant. We're listening there to Dr. Kwame Amponsan Achianu, who is the head of the expanded program on immunization of the Ghana Health Service. We're speaking there to my colleague, Hansen Ajima. And that would be it for Eyewitness News for tonight and indeed for this week. It's been great coming your way throughout the week. My name is Umaru Sandamado. Please stay with 97.3 CTFM Relevant Radio. Always. Production tonight by Sixtus Dong Ulu and Zoe Abubeidu Ado. Beverly in London is a little under the weather. Get well soon, girl, and come back on Monday. Strong, bubbly, and fighting on. Desmond Nyaku was supporting us on the technical side of things. We'll be back on Monday, inshallah. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3.